You're listening to The Voice of Dog. I'm Kaki, your faithful fireside companion, and today's story is A Day with the Skorax by C.F. Becker, a 3D artist whose work can be found on Fair Affinity under the name Cannon Fodder. As you can guess from the name, his work explores themes of war and the soldiers who fight it, but such a broad subject captures ideas from all across the fandom. This story is an example of that depth. The story was originally written as an accompaniment to a four-page, full-color, textless comic drawn by the talented furry artist Samarek. The comic can be found on Fur Affinity and on Samarek's website at DeviantArt. Please enjoy A Day with the Skarax by C.F. Becker. It began when the Skarax had built a colony on a planet of reptilian natives. The negotiations for establishing the colony took years. While the reptilians had allowed other races to establish colonies on the planet and benefited from them, the Skarax had a reputation as warmongers, with their military-dominated government and their seemingly endless interplanetary war. However, their armies were fighting on battlefields on the other side of the galaxy, and there was nothing hinting they would bring their war to this solar system. But there was enough caution that the leaders demanded that the colony be placed in a dry desert, someplace separate from any reptilian communities and easy to isolate if trouble arose. The Skarax agreed to the terms and soon used their advanced water-based technology to build an oasis within the barbed wire walls. Adler was a college student in the closest reptilian community to the colony. While he knew about the gleaming oasis in the desert east of town, like others in the city, he had never been there. Travel in and out of the colony was carefully watched and rumours abounded about it being a first step of the Skarak army eventually invading the planet, which is why he was so surprised when he found a young Skarak woman studying in the university library one day. A deeply inquisitive soul, he pushed back any rumour-fueled fears to introduce himself. To his pleasure, she was quite good at the local reptilian language and was eager to talk. Adler soon learned how much effort Sanka had gone through to get permission to study in the reptilian college, and how lonely she had been with so many unwilling to talk to her. She peppered Adler with questions about reptilians that he was happy to answer, especially since she answered all of Adler's. Very quickly, the two began seeing each other regularly, sharing every lunch period together, meeting up after classes and during study breaks. And not long after that, they fell in love. It was much easier for a reptilian to enter the Skarak colony than the other way around, so Adler was able to follow Sanka home one day without letting his family or friends know. And it was an amazing experience. He enjoyed it so much that he did it again and again, quietly taking his study breaks to the colony to be with Sanka. He wanted to share the things he experienced, but with his friends and parents still fearful of the Skarax, Adler kept his mouth shut. When his little brother expressed an interest in the yellow aliens, though, Adler told little Tori under the promise he wouldn't share. When a business trip took Adler's parents to another part of the planet, the college student was left watching over his little brother. Tori had nearly burst from the excitement. He knew Adler was going to take him to the Skarak colony once Mom and Dad were gone, and he couldn't wait. When the day finally came, Tori couldn't control himself and raced ahead of his brother through the barbed wire fence. With the colony sparkling in the distance, he couldn't wait to see what he could find, and Adler couldn't wait to share it. The city was amazing. They met Sanka in the city square, eager to see her boyfriend and meet his little brother. All around the city bustled with activity, hundreds of storefronts selling fish and other seafood, jewellery and dry goods. The air was filled with music from a street drummer, pounding on a whole circle of drums, his arms, elephant-like nose and reptile-like tail all pounding out complex rhythms. 
Giant pipes above their heads held Skarak swimming across the city, gliding like dolphins through water. Tori was scared when the first shopkeeper reached out to him, speaking in his Skarakian tongue, holding out a necklace. Sanka reassured him that it was a gift and he should take it, so he did. And it was followed by another shopkeeper handing him a bracelet. Adler grinned inwardly. He had learned from Sanka that Skarak ancestors had once worshipped gods that resembled anthro-reptiles. While the old religions were gone, the tradition still lingered and for many Skaraks, giving gifts to a reptile would bring good fortune. Adler learned something from this. The reptilian leaders never did. The Skaraks had wanted to build their colony to bring their people luck. Conquering the reptilians would be unthinkable. Adler even knew that no Skarak would harm Tori in the colony because of those old traditions, and it was great to see his little brother getting free gifts. As they headed to the dining district to get lunch, Tori saw a movie theatre and asked to go inside, only it wasn't a movie theatre. Instead, a newsreel was showing images from the front lines of the Skarak War. The footage had come from the other side of the galaxy, so far away, but this was what the reptilians feared, what fueled all those rumours. Tori watched with confusion, seeing a side of the Skaraks he had been told was true, but hadn't fully believed. But so was the side that had put a necklace over his head. He watched longer than he likely should have, thinking more about what he was learning than what was being shown, up until he noticed that Sanka wouldn't look at all. Lunch came next, which was good because Tori was hungry. He thought his big brother was joking when Adler told him to jump onto a slide to get to the restaurant, but when Sanka slid down first, he figured it was safe. It was. And it was fun, too, as all three slid into an underwater room with a big pool in the middle. This wasn't like any restaurant Tori had ever seen. The waiter arrived from under the water to take their orders, then dove back down as they lay on the floor, resting their arms on the cushioned edge of the pool. Tori had no idea what to order, so he asked lots of questions to Sanka, who patiently answered them. On his brother's advice, he picked an urchin, one of Adler's favourites, but Sanka looked concerned when Tori asked for an extra-large one. Urchins were tasty, but too much at once could be tough on the stomach. Still, once it arrived, it was hard to dissuade the youngster from the badass-looking dish. Afterwards, they went to the arena. This was why Adler was going to the colony in the first place. In his earlier visits, he had come to learn of kokipak, a skarak sport, and it was awesome! The older reptilian was practically squirming in his seat before the game began, with Tori looking all around, astonished by all the Skaraks, so many aliens inside the space. Then the lights came on, a Skarak with a white armband came out, which Sanka explained was the referee, and then two large, athletic Skaraks stepped into the ring with long staffs. Tori jumped in his seat when the drumbeat signalled the start of the game and suddenly those long staffs broke apart into smaller sticks. In a flurry of action, the two competitors broke their staffs into smaller pieces, swinging at each other with the rods, moving them rapidly around their hands, noses and tails. And then they would snap the pieces back together at the ends, reassembling them. All of it happened so fast, the fighters so fluid in how they broke and attached the pieces, rearranging them, swinging them, trying to make contact with each other. Finally, one competitor delivered a firm blow to the other's arm, making contact and play stopped, the referee awarding a point. And after reassembling the pieces, six pieces each, as Tori finally counted, they stood ready with their one long staff for the next drumbeat to signal a new round. Adler cheered. He got so into the game he jumped out of his seat, his enthusiasm matching that of the most excited Skaraks in the audience. He loved this sport. 
Sanka helped explain some of the details to Tori, like how points awarded were determined by the number of sticks used to make contact, and how striking with a tail would award more points than with a hand or nose. She also noted how contact with the limb without a stick was illegal, and one competitor who swatted his opponent on the leg with his bare tail got penalised, having to give up one of his sticks for the following round. Tori would have wondered at what amazing technology was involved in making the stick so effortlessly assemble and disassemble as they did if it hadn't been for the fact the urchin was really getting to him now. Adler couldn't believe they had to leave in the middle of the match. Poor Tori was feeling so sick, moaning about his stomach, he had to go. Sanka had offered to take Tori to the pharmacist so Adler could keep watching, but the older reptilian decided to stay with his little brother. He was a little worried when Sanka mentioned a pharmacist. He had never had to look for medicine in the colony and honestly didn't know what to expect. He had assumed the Skorak wearing rubber gloves on his nose and hands was some kind of plumber with all the pipes full of water in his store. But Sanka said he was the pharmacist, or rather the hydropharmacist, specialising in curing through water. Adler wasn't sure if this was for real. He was used to pharmacists giving pills and injections, but Sanka assured him and the poor moaning Tori that he could help. As soon as she told him the young reptilian had eaten too much urchin, he seemed to know just what to do. He took some water from each of several pipes, mixing them together in a test tube, and despite Adler thinking to himself, it's all just water, after Tori drank it, the boy started to feel better. As Tori recovered, Adler asked Sanka about the water he had just drank. Was it not actually water? Was it laced with something? Sanka said she didn't know, being she wasn't a hydropharmacist herself but she knew that the waters he mixed all came from different sources, some of it from oceans, some from rivers on their home planet, some of it drawn from planets or even the bodies of animals. Tori made a face at that. When he asked why Skorax would do something gross like suck water out of animals, he quickly regretted it. Sanka looked away, having that same look on her face she had had in the theatre. Adler cringed. He apologised to Sanka, saying he should have told Tori about that before they arrived. Tori was confused and ashamed, not understanding what was wrong, but apologising all the same. Adler suggested to Sanka that they show Tori something, using a word that Tori didn't understand, but it seemed to make Sanka feel better, and she agreed. Tori had wanted to try out the water tubes that crisscrossed the colony. Walking around the marketplace, he could see Skorak swimming as sleek and fast as seals, zipping across the town on those floating rivers. But this tube was different. Instead of being over the city where he hoped he might see the streets below, the tube was dug underground. It worried Tori at first, thinking the water pressure might squeeze him the further down he went, but something about how the tube was made seems to keep the pressure off his body. He might not have been as good a swimmer as his big brother, and certainly nowhere as good as Sanka, but it wasn't difficult for him to keep up. When he emerged at the other end of the tube, Tori couldn't believe what he saw. The room was bathed in blue light the ceiling towering overhead, a sheet of glass revealing the bubbling lake that buried the chamber. Light streamed in from the stained window behind him, cast down the long room and the hundreds, maybe thousands of shelves on either side. As he climbed out of the water and put his feet on the warm floor, he could see that inside each shelf were bottles of water of all shapes and sizes. Tori thought maybe this was storage for the hydropharmacist, with even rarer waters collected. He was about to open his mouth to ask when the silence stopped him. Sanka and Adler hadn't spoken a word since entering the chamber. With their wet footsteps echoing down the hall, the blue light cast a sombre glow on everything as if the room were asking all to hush. 
Tori was still feeling guilty for upsetting Sanka, even if he hadn't known what he'd done. He chose to follow as Sanka and Adler walked down the hall, stopping at one glass-sealed shelf. Sanka stared at it. Her large, black eyes were always a challenge for Tori to read, but he could see she was sad as she stared at the water bottle sitting alone inside. Her yellow fingers touched the glass as Adler came to her side, putting a hand on her shoulder. Sanka sniffed, her long nose curling up on itself, an apparent show of grief as she reached up to touch her necklace. Tori had barely noticed it, figuring it might have been another gift given to her, like the necklace he was still wearing. Only hers was of a small tube filled with a bit of water. Tori understood then, and he hung his head. Tori remembered how Sanka mentioned taking water from the dead, how carefully the hydropharmacist was handling the water in a shop. Discovering this underwater chapel, silent and solemn, where all of these bottles of water were being held in such reverence, the way Sanka picked one out and stared at it, then touched the bit of water she'd held around her neck, and finally how hurt she was at his suggestion that drawing water from the dead was gross. Tori felt awful. He watched for a moment, seeing his brother hold his girlfriend in the blue silence, supporting her in this moment. Tori drew up the courage to come up to her opposite side, to put an arm around her hip to show his own support, and she put her arm around him. That felt better. He was truly sorry. Tori couldn't remember the last time he'd hugged someone for so long. His mind raced with thoughts as he felt Sanka's hands on his back, feeling the rubbery alien skin on his scales. He was so thankful for everything he had seen, all she had shared with him, but his gratitude was drowning in guilt at what he had said earlier. He didn't know what to say, fearful to be honest, lest he reopen the wound. Then he felt Sanka hug him back, her nose caressing his head, and he thought maybe all was forgiven. Adler embraced Sanka. It was a huge relief on him when he first learned that Skarax kissed just like reptilians do. It took some getting used to feeling that nose holding the back of his head like an extra arm, but he learned to like it. After all, he could use it as a guide to find out how much Sanka wanted to kiss. This time, with the sun dipping under the horizon and the sky turning purple, her nose held very tightly. With the colony shimmering in the distance, blue light gleaming behind trickling water, Adler took a last glance over his shoulder at Sanka. He saw her doing the same. Tori faced forward, chin down, still swimming in thoughts of youthful guilt. He'd get over it. Adler knew Sanka was happy to have met his little brother, and he was happy to have introduced him. It was worth every pain, whether stomachache or heartache, to teach one more reptilian of Skarak culture. It was what the colony was there for, after all. This was A Day with the Skarax by C.F. Becker, read for you by Kaki, your faithful fireside companion. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog. <laughs>